You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Good morning, and um, I want you to know that I do consider this a privilege to be able to be with you a few more times from this vantage point. Um, I, I think I only get to do this one more time after today. Um, and so, as we're all thankful in that sense, um, I'm, I want you to know that I do consider it an honor and a privilege that you've allowed me to spend this time with you over the last year plus. And while we don't yet have a finalized plan, what this is going to look like for Andy jo- to join UBC in Waco, there's lots of moving parts, as you can imagine. Um, that, that is all in process. And I want to be sure that I take full advantage of my time with you. So, thank you for this privilege again. So as we head into our few moments together this morning, please join me in prayer. Now, Lord, may we hear what you want us to hear, that we may do what you want us to do, that we may be who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus who calls us, we pray. Amen. Amen. The year was 1999. We had a three-year-old little guy in our house, and we had another child on the way. We were doing very little, thankfully, to prepare for Y2K. We were living in Temple, Texas, just down the road. And we had just discovered that we were having a girl. Yep, you heard that right. We were having a girl. Our three-year-old decided that a girl was not in his plans. So uh, he decided to do some things over the course of the pregnancy to make sure that we knew that he was not okay with having a little sister. So one of the things he did was decide on two different names for the baby. If it was a girl, her name was going to be Walmart. And if it was a little brother, his name was going to be, you guessed it, H-E-B. We have a photo of him that we've put everywhere. I couldn't find, unfortunately, for today, but there's a TV screen behind him. He's he's a little guy with a hat on backwards, and H-E-B is the ad behind him on the screen. At some point, as we were getting closer to the birth, little Britain was his name, decided that H-E-B was going to be the name. It was going to be a little brother. We had seen the sonograms. We were definitely not preparing for an H-E-B. We knew that we were going to have a Walmart. A little girl was headed into our family. So we helped Britton decide that H-E-B was going to be uh, the tummy name for the baby. So as long as it was in mommy's tummy, it was okay. The name could be H-E-B. Once we got to see the baby face-to-face, then we could have a different name. He was perfectly fine. He was three-year-old. It didn't take a lot of persuasion, but it did take some. And then his little brother was born. Just as he had said, just as he had predicted, he knew all along, had been telling us repeatedly what we didn't know. We thought we knew what we were talking about. We still have the sonogram picture where the sonogram text showed us exactly why it was going to be a little girl headed our way. But he would have none of it. He was giving us a different kind of vocabulary than what we thought. He was using words that we weren't using because we knew it was going to be something different. But he believed wholeheartedly in something else. We ended up with three little guys in our family. The third one was no surprise. We knew exactly what was coming. As we hear words this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, these words that are ascribed to Jesus... These people who are hearing the words were going to have some immediate feelings about them. There was one particular word, the word kingdom, that was going to provide some confusion for this group of people who were hearing these words from Jesus for the first time. 
So I want you to hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. And as you hear them, imagine you're in this group hearing them for the first time with what you might assume the word kingdom to mean. This is from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. He put before them, Jesus, put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? Jesus asked them. They answered yes. Side note, what else were they going to say at that moment? Seriously, yes, sure, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Five parables in one sitting. It's like a lightning round of parables that Jesus gives us here. Each one of these could be its own sermon. We're not going to do that. But I am going to focus on the first two. Because as I wrestled with this passage this week, it's where I ended up. And so I want you to take this journey with me, and I want you to kind of join me as we go there. First things first, though, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. In the other three gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the words kingdom of God. In Mark and Luke, for the, some of the same stories, some of the same parables, kingdom of God. In Matthew, it's kingdom of heaven. Lots of speculation about why those words could be different. It's the same thing. And so as the people who were hearing this for the first time heard this, they understood it to mean the same thing, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Those who heard these words knew exactly what they thought a kingdom was. They were in the midst of an occupation by a force not in their favor. They knew that it took a precise planning to maintain a kingdom, but the word they were hearing wasn't the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. It was a completely different matter. I wonder if those who could hear Jesus, even the disciples who were in the group, I wonder if they were disappointed by what they heard. All of this talk of a kingdom and not even one mention of a king or a prince or a military general who was gonna come in and take things over. According to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven did not resemble the popular notions held by those who heard his words what they thought was going to be a theocratic kingdom with a capital in Jerusalem that was formed by forcibly driving out the Romans. There was gonna be violence involved. There was gonna be lots to this taking over of a kingdom. But Jesus, in these five and other parables that we can read throughout the gospels, is saying, no, the kingdom of heaven isn't like this. It's like this. It's not what you're thinking. The kingdom is completely different. In fact, you may remember that 
after John the baptizer baptized Jesus in the beginning of the gospel account, Jesus stands up from being baptized, goes immediately into the wilderness, we read, for 40 days. The first thing he says after coming out of that wilderness is, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then we immediately see that he's not talking about it's coming soon or it's imminent, like it's gonna happen now. He's not talking about that. He's talking about it's already there, already here. The kingdom of heaven, as Jesus was telling anyone who would listen, wasn't about power, but the simple things that just kind of happen. Simple things like seeds that turn into trees and leaven that turns into bread. Your house may have been like ours as the pandemic hit month three or four in 2020. And by that, I mean, yours may have also smelled like a sourdough starter. Everyone I knew had one, including us. My wife loved to take care of that. I know there's lots of things you have to do to it to make sure that it stays with you, that it's still good. I don't know what those things are, but I know there's yeast involved at some point. And I could smell every bit of it and loved every moment of it, whether it was one loaf or 10 that was coming out of an oven. We would enjoy every morsel of that bread. This parable, though, is not about the bread. It's about what goes into it. It's about this ingredient that's talked about through Scripture as corruption. Everywhere you read about yeast in Scripture, except in these parables, it's corruption. What does this mean that the kingdom of heaven is like something that corrupts? That the kingdom of heaven is like the least expected and yet the most ordinary things, a mustard seed and, and yeast. What does this say about us? Back to those who are hearing these parables for the first time, trying to make sense of what they were hearing, which it seems as if Jesus absolutely loved when he said parables and nobody really understood. So when he asked the question, do you understand what I'm saying? It was more of a rhetorical question. We get that, right? I mean, it, these are not things that were meant to be understood quickly. But what they were hearing at that time had to be a mustard seed, question mark. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Why not one of the trees that would grow up to be huge and powerful? Why not a cedar tree? The mighty, mighty cedar that was gonna grow big. How could Jesus compare this kingdom to one of the tiniest seeds around. They knew something about this mustard bush. By the way, it never becomes a tree. It's a bush, which says something else about the parable, I think, that we may not know. It was a weed. It was an infiltrator. It was something that could be planted without even realizing it. The seeds were so small that if you were planting a garden, you might accidentally get some in your hand as you're sowing the seed, as you were spreading it. You might accidentally throw some in there because they're so small, you may not even see it. This weed takes over, and it's why during this day, the Pharisees did not allow planting of mustard seeds in any garden because it would absolutely take over and destroy what was there. It created chaos. It created something that was uncontrollable. You ever have to deal with the uncontrollable in your life? Something that you just don't know what to do with? Things that are uncontrollable are fascinating to me. The amount of disorder, the amount of chaos that they can provide for us. 
Uncontrollable things can lead to uncomfortable moments for any of us, but they also can lead to new discoveries, new ways of doing things, something new out of something old. Now, as a child, I would spend some time each summer at my grandparents' place. They lived about 20 to 30 minutes away from us in a town so small, I I kind of remember its name. I haven't been there in a little while. Nobody lives there anymore in our family. I would stay there for a few weeks each summer. But I couldn't stay inside because my grandmother, from the moment I woke up, kicked me out. Said I wasn't welcome. Had to be outside all day. That was just the way it was. And so, thankfully, I had my bike. And so I would bike all over the place. It was a small town. I could go from one end to the other on my bike in about 10 minutes. Incredible. Some days I'd go fishing right down the street. Some days I'd bike to the library and just hang out and see what happened to the people who went to libraries. Some days I'd like to go to the lake that was up a giant hill. Once you got to the lake, I could watch as the military, Fort Chaffee was not very far away from there. There was a hill in the middle of this land beyond the lake, and that was their target range. And so I could sit near the lake and just watch it happen. We would hear their guns all day. Fascinating for me. I would go and spend, because I couldn't go back inside, so I had to, you know, find a water hose and sit outside and just enjoy the lake. But some of my most memorable moments were when I would just stay near their house and walk the gardens with my granddad. He would get so frustrated when something was out of order. He would take the time, as you can imagine, to make these plantings perfect, row by row by row, perfectly straight. And he would go absolutely berserk when something took over one of his rows. And then it would become my problem. Rows of corn, lettuce, beans, potatoes, carrots, beets, all kinds of things that you can imagine. Those are the ones I remember. My job was to eradicate any sign of that weed, that infiltrator to this garden. It was like he couldn't even bear to look at what it had done. The perfectly straight rows were of no use for these weeds. They wanted to change the pattern. They wanted to create something new. They wanted to create new borders. They wanted to basically open the doors for things that might not belong in other circumstances. The mustard plant takes over an area like this. What were once nice, ordered rows of plantings in the garden were no longer ordered. They were no longer precise. Chaos controlled the situation. And this is what those who heard Jesus share these parables might have heard when they heard these words. The kingdom of heaven is like this small seed out of which comes a newness that breaks down barriers. It's unpredictable in its nature. It creates something new and beautiful and becomes something that allows for a home to be made. As we read the parable pointing to the birds making their home in these bushes. This all makes sense though, right? When you look at what Jesus did throughout the Gospels, he kept breaking down barriers and disregarding taboos. He disregarded the taboos concerning fellowship with sinners. He surrounded himself with outcasts and those who socially were on the margins. Jesus disregarded the taboos concerning eating meals with people like the despised tax collectors. He disregarded the taboos concerning Samaritans and even made a Samaritan of all people the hero of the parable about loving one's neighbor. Another absurdity which would have been highly offensive to many who heard it. 
Jesus also disregarded the taboos concerning the place of women in society and the segregation or marginalization that women felt during those moments. Sounds a whole lot like the kingdom of heaven is in fact very much like a mustard seed or leaven, unpredictable, yet intentional in what it is doing. Jesus was very clear in pointing out that the kingdom of heaven is not something we are aspiring to. It's not something we're waiting on, but something we are already in the midst of. The kingdom of heaven is very much near. As we wrap up our time together this morning, I have a few thoughts from a few folks who are some spiritual heroes for me along my journey at different points. I want to start with Brennan Manning. He's a Franciscan priest. You can follow along as I read this quote. The kingdom is not an exclusive, well-trimmed suburb with snobbish rules about who can live there. No, it is for a larger, homelier, less self-conscious cast of people who understand they are sinners because they have experienced, I love these words, the yaw and pitch of moral struggle. Yaw and pitch sounds a lot like chaos and disorder and unpredictability. Another quote for me from N.T. Wright rings true. You can follow along. When God wants to sort out the world as the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount make clear, he doesn't send in the tanks. He sends in the meek, the broken, the justice-hungry, the peacemakers, the pure-hearted, and so on. And then finally, from someone I hope you're aware of, Rachel Held Evans. The kingdom, Jesus taught, is right here. Present, yet hidden. Imminent, yet transcendent. It is at hand, among us and beyond us, now and not yet. The kingdom of heaven, he said, belongs to the poor, the meek, the peacemakers, the merciful, and those who hunger and thirst for God. It advances not through power and might, but through missions of mercy, kindness, and humility. In this kingdom, many who are last will be first, and many who are first will be last. The rich don't usually get it, Jesus said, but children always do. This is a kingdom whose Savior arrives not on a war horse, but a donkey, not through triumph and conquest, but through death and resurrection. This kingdom is the only kingdom that will last. UBC, the kingdom of heaven is here among us, through our acts of mercy and kindness and humility. And as we look to a new future for UBC, let us again discover how the kingdom of heaven is here and join in the work to be done for this. Let's pray together. Give us, O oh God, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And as we go from this place, may we do what you would have us do that we may be who you would have us be. In the name of Jesus who calls us, we pray. And we all say together, amen.
I want to invite you to join with me in the discipline of silence for just a moment, listening for the Holy Spirit, perhaps to correct something I've read, perhaps to minister to you in a different way. Join with me now. <laughs> 